my standard, you know, like if I go and buy a new handgun, right, especially a defensive handgun, um, I, I would probably feel confident carrying that gun, having shot the ammo that I'm going to carry it with, mm -hmm. or at least is similar in f form and function to it after about 500 rounds, right? Gotcha. Some people say 100 rounds is fine. Some people say, I'm not going to, you know, use it until 1,000, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. The more, the better. Welcome to the Remington Podcast, where we take a deep dive into all things ammunition. I'm your host, Audrey Mays. Happy holidays from us here at Remington Ammunition. This episode drops on Christmas Day, and we thought there would be nothing better than to cover handgun ammo for those of us who are lucky enough to get one under the tree this year. Join me and research and development engineer Leland Mason as we discuss target, self-defense, and frangible handgun ammunition. Let's get into it. I just got a handgun for Christmas. I'm a new gun owner. It's a good Christmas. Right? Yeah. It's a great Christmas. I'm a new gun owner. Um, my dad or my partner just got me a handgun. I know nothing about ammunition. Mm -hmm. What are the different kinds of ammunition that I need to know about? So it's a valid scenario. I think for a lot of people, especially recently within the past couple of years, have had that same thing. You know, there's been a huge uh, increase in new firearm owners, which is awesome. I hope that continues to go up. Um, for handguns, you know, for a lot of people, that's kind of the go-to gun for multiple reasons. Um, and just like the multiple reasons, there's multiple types of ammo, right? Just like a tool, right? I don't think of guns as tools. I actually hate saying that guns are a lot more than tools, but, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, you have a screwdriver for, you know, screws and you have a socket wrench for sockets, mm -hmm. right? So like, just like that with ammunition, you have that you've got primarily four main categories with a bunch of subcategories, but that's going to be your target ammo, right? Which is intended to use for practice, you know, shooting, uh, paper targets, you know, marksmanship, it's going to be steel shooting. Um, and then, you know, of course, subcategories, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. And then you've got uh, your defense ammo, which is typically what people are the most interested in, right? Handguns are um, very convenient weapons if you choose to use them in that, you know, discretion. And as a result, uh, you know, your, your ammunition is very much a critical aspect in determining your use in defense, right? So like you got to have defensive ammo if you're going to use it for defense because that's what it's designed for, right? So there's a bunch of subcategories in that. Um, another aspect, which is kind of related to target ammo is going to be your frangible ammo. Mm -hmm. So uh, frangible ammo is maybe what I would consider the most or the least understood of the types, right? Mm -hmm. But there's plenty of um, uses for it. A lot of it is more like law enforcement or uh, kind of military minded, but there's been a big um, upcoming and upbringing of frangible ammo in the civilian market, which I think is great. There's plenty of uses for it and there's a lot of benefits. Um, so there's that and we'll talk about that too. And then of course your hunting ammo. Um, some people choose to go hunt uh, with handguns, which I think is awesome. I mean, I like I was talking to you the other day about how I saw somebody had uh, shot a lion with a scoped revolver. And that's just, I don't know, to me as a that's handgun wild. guy, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, that's not uncommon, right? There's plenty of people... Uh, you know, within the States or outside or, or wherever, sometimes there's even laws about how, 
you know, you can only hunt with handguns and, and whatnot and, and certain calibers. So that's definitely an attraction. Um, and, uh, there's also uses in kind of going back on the self-defense aspect with hunting ammo, mm-hmm. right? Like your hard cast bullets and, and whatnot, which we can talk about later too. But For bears and other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I, I personally have used that. So not, I've not defended myself <laughs> against a bear, um, but uh, I have, that's what I, I choose to carry when I go, you know, backpacking and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's plenty of stuff to talk about and that, you know, it's, it's a, as a new handgun owner, we're putting ourselves in that position. You go to the store shelves and there's a lot to pick from. Mm-hmm. So you got to know what you're doing, you know, yeah. do a little research. There are several reasons to own a handgun, whether you're hunting, plinking, or carrying, you need to practice. Target ammunition should be owned by all and used often. Leland dives into target ammunition. So your main target ammo, right, is going to be a full metal jacket, mm-hmm. right? And depending on the caliber, of course, most common handgun calibers are not limited to, of course, for semi-automatics going to be 9mm 40 Smith & Wesson, uh, 45 auto and, um, probably 380, right? Mm-hmm. I would say that's a, that's a big one. Um, you know, there's like 10 millimeter and whatnot, but they all have target ammo variants. Um, and then you've got your revolvers, right? 38 special, 357 Magnum, 44 Magnum, the whole slew. And, you know, that's a very non-comprehensive list, but target ammo is going to consist of your full metal jackets, right? And that is essentially a, a lead core that is mechanically encased in a, a jacket, be mm-hmm. it copper or brass, right? Here at Remington, we do both. And, um, uh, similar, similar principle. Um, and the intent is not to expand, right? Um, that bullet is not going, it's not designed to be deformed, by the target in any other way than just to break up or to stop in your berm or your dirt. Mm -hmm. And the intent is either paper, you know, just shooting paper, um, which is great for marksmanship, really teaches you how to, uh, you know, control your body movements and your triggers. Handguns are not easy guns to shoot, right? You have two points of contact, just your hands, as opposed to, you know, two hands, a cheek and your shoulder with a rifle or a shotgun. So target ammo is incredibly important to get those mechanics down, especially if you choose to use it in self-defense. So mm-hmm. um, very basic ammo. It's typically often at a lower cost, you know, entry price point. Um, and, you know, of course there's different grain weights and and speeds throughout in, the, in those lines that you can pick from. Um, it just kind of helps you to determine too, like, oh, maybe I like the, the smoother, a little lighter recoiling shot of the, like 115 grain nine millimeter, mm-hmm. a little faster, a little lighter, as opposed to like maybe the more, uh, deliberate kind of, uh, it's not necessarily a snappier recoil, but more of a, a push style recoil of like 147 grain, uh, bullet, but maybe you decide like, oh, well, maybe I like the other, right? I can compromise a little bit on that. And that those same principles typically apply to your 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 more premium self-defense ammo. So that just goes into the training aspect of it, right? Getting familiar with your your load. Um, <clears throat> and then another part is, uh, you know, we have ammunition that is designed specifically to make clean holes on paper, and those are called wad cutters. Okay. So wad cutters are... Um, 
as opposed to your rounded ogive is what we call a profile. What is an ogive? So an ogive is when you look at a, a projectile or a bullet and it has like a curved section, it mm-hmm. brings it into like a point or uh, if it's a, you know, a spire tip or um, even a, a hollow point and a, and often um, any ammo that's not a wad cutter has an ogive. That curve is just the ogive. Okay. Right? Um, every bullet's got a different ogive. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's designed, you know, um, so you have good, reliable feeding, right? Um, it's just kind of the standard bullet profile. There's a lot of, you know, uh, accuracy testing that goes into developing your ogive profile. Um, that goes in to paper and it, it'll tear the paper, right? So when you shoot paper with a standard round nose full metal jacket, you'll see rips and tears. You'll still see a hole, but it's not super clean. Well, a wad cutter, on the other hand, is typically just a straight cast lead bullet, um, typically only shot out of revolvers because Mm -hmm. there's no feeding, right? Just stick it in the wheel, close it, and, you know, you don't... Less mechanical movement. Right, less Mm -hmm. things for that sharp edge of the wad cutter to get caught on. So the wad cutter has a... Um, straight cylindrical profile. And when it goes through paper, it looks like someone punched it with the hole punch. It's a super clean edge. It's exactly what it does. It mm-hmm. hole punches it. Then you have a semi-wad cutter, which is kind of a hybrid between the two, more of a truncated cone, which is no ogive, has a straight edge, but mm-hmm. it's still slightly profiled in. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we could talk about as far as accuracy between the two of them goes, but um, typically, right, your your flat profiles, it's called the me plat, which is on the front of the bullet, being squared off gives you more consistency. Um, typically, it's what you see. Mm-hmm. It's just the dynamics and the fluid dynamics of the bullet in, in flight. Um, but when you're shooting handguns, you're typically talking at max 50 yards. Right. You're not going to see a huge decrease mm-hmm. in accuracy from that. And Plus, most ammo that you're shooting practically, you're not going to be able to tell unless you are like the top 1% of shooters, like, oh, this is a more accurate bullet, right? It's typically has to do with the gun, your trigger pull, how you hold it right anyway. So that's for people who are like punching out the center holes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're stacking, you know, five rounds into a, a nickel sized hole at 50 yards. I mean, mm-hmm. those guys are going to be able to say like, okay, yeah, this is a, this is it, right? right. But for most people, it'll get the job done. So that's that's your target ammo. Um, like I said, it's just a cost-effective way to get out and use your handgun. Mm-hmm. If you're at the range practicing with your firearm because you're wanting to carry, there are certain factors you need to consider when purchasing target ammunition. Leland walks us through selecting the perfect target ammo. So when you are doing target ammo, say you're practicing to carry, mm-hmm. how important is it that the ammo that you're shooting at the target is close to the ammo you're going to carry? It's super important. So, you know, every gun's different and every ammo's different. Mm-hmm. You're taking multiple variables and trying to combine them together. It's hard to say like, oh, well, you know, for example, a specific hollow point is going to work. It worked through my gun. It's going to work through yours. Carry this, mm-hmm. right? You can't do that, especially if even between the same gun, manufacturing methods are going to give you a very reliable, tight tolerance product, right? But it's the real world. You've got tolerances. Things change, right? So proving your gun on, if at all possible, the ammo you're going to choose, like 
if I'm carrying Golden Saber, right? Mm -hmm. Remington product, great, you know, hollow point uh, projectile and and uh, reliable cartridge or load, I'm still going to shoot it through my gun, right? right? I want to make sure that that ogive, right, doesn't, for whatever reason, geometrically line up properly and my gun just doesn't like it. It's a little sluggish or it's not uh, authoritative chambering. It doesn't go into battery properly. That's all stuff that you just test and you get a better idea as a shooter. Like, yeah, my gun likes this. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I've got a decent amount of handguns and I like shooting all kinds of ammo through it. And I have found plenty of ammo. Some guns, they are, they wouldn't skip a beat in 5,000 rounds on one ammo. And then you take another, you know, take a target round. It's great on hollow point. It doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had a few times too, where I've brought a gun, especially when I was new to that kind of mentality, like I'll go out and buy a gun and then I'll buy a load, right? Especially 380s are typically on the finicky side, mm -hmm. right? Especially because the platform you're shooting them in are small, right? Um, especially semi-automatic guns, they typically require a, a decent bit of dexterity to hold so mm -hmm. that you resist the gun flopping, the slide right. reliably cycling is what you want. Well, anyway, I bought this gun. I bought ammo for it, which I had done my research was great, right? Took it out and um, put the magazine in it. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to carry. I'm just going to break it in on it. And I, I racked it on a full magazine and it, it jammed the first round. And I was like, okay. So I took that round out, you know, one right. less round in the mag, racked it, jam, racked it, jam. And I was like, okay, this is very bad. Something's because wrong, yeah. Consider, you know, of course I would want to carry that, that, uh, gun loaded. Mm -hmm. Right. But when I'm, I'm chambering that gun, I'm going to holster it is a totally different scenario when I'm shooting that. If I had to defend my life. Right. Yeah. And if, if you need it to work when you need it to work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and even the scenario you're shooting it in like mechanically is different. So, so anyway, there's just one example and that's why I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Right. And that gun, after I shot hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rounds of target ammo through, started to like that ammo all of a sudden. So mm -hmm. your gun changes over time. The more you shoot it, it's always good. Even if you, let's say you've, you've got a, uh, uh, defensive handgun load that you like, you've shot it, works. Then you go and shoot your target ammo through it, really break it, and you get competent using that gun. Mm -hmm. It's always good to just touch back on that stuff. Be like, okay, yeah, my gun's still good with it, right? It's important. Right. So, but yeah, like load, your weights, your velocities, all that stuff. You want to really try to match that and, and just, mm -hmm. you know, use your gun. Every use of a handgun needs a different type of ammunition, and it's paramount for safety and proper use that you know and understand what kind of ammo is needed to get the job done. We talk about the ammo you should look for when thinking about self-defense. So I hear you say the difference between a target load mm -hmm. and a self-defense load, one of the biggest things is that one's an FMJ, a full metal jacket, and one is a hollow, hollow point. point yep. How important is the hollow point? Okay. So it is like the word important mm -hmm. is what I would put to it. <laughs> okay. So your, uh, your hollow point, right. Um, they've been around for a while now, mm -hmm. right. Um, they, they were developed back at the turn of the century, right. They formulated from what was called the British 
Dum Dum bullet, which was made in India. Um, and that was a soft point bullet. And soft points are designed to um, go into a target, typically used for hunting, mm-hmm. and expand, but you get a little bit more penetration from it because they don't necessarily necessarily expand as much as a hollow point. Hollow point okay. formulated from that. And um, actually, quick fact, uh, hollow points are banned by the... Um, I shouldn't have even said it. Now I'm going to forget it. Um, it was a treaty near World War One, I, I believe. So okay. actually, hollow points cannot be used in uh, modern military conflicts if it's like... There's like a bunch of stipulations. Sometimes you can't, sometimes you can't. But anyway, they've had kind of a controversial history. Mm-hmm. But long story short, to get back on track, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm a tan. I go on tangents. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, a hollow point is designed to enter a organic object, any kind of water-based object, expand, transfer 100% of its energy, and then not over penetrate as mm-hmm. it's called or exit, right? Which is part of the hundred percent energy transfer. Hollow points, uh, deal damage by a mix of, um, expansion and penetration, mm-hmm. right? Some people argue whether it's more biased towards one or the other. Um, but there is something called an FBI protocol standard. And that says that typically you can expect to get lethal, um, you can get lethal uh, performance from a hollow point if it transfers or it, sorry, it penetrates between 12 and 18 inches mm-hmm. in calibrated ballistics gel. That is not, uh, you know, non-calibratable organic ballistics gel. Mm-hmm. There's a difference in thickness There's a huge density. difference, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why we use calibratable organic ballistics gel. We've got to make it and, and test it so we get good comparable data to other data taken around the world, mm-hmm. right? Well, anyway... So a hollow point is designed to expand and stop in the target. Full metal jacket, like I said earlier, is not designed to deform at the target other than, you know, if it hits steel, it, you know, just kind of breaks up. It may dent. Yeah. It might dent, Mm -hmm. right? It might deflect, but it's not going to expand. If you shoot it into a gel block, for example, it's just going to go straight through. It's going to be like a torpedo Mm -hmm. in water. Well, the problem with that is if you use target or full metal jacket ammunition in a self-defensive situation, right? So as a shooter, of course, you don't want to introduce danger to the good guy, only the bad guy. And if, and as a result, hollow points are going to be better because they're going to they're designed to stop in one person. If you used a full metal jacket, there's a very very high chance that that, that round's going to exit mm-hmm. and hit and have collateral damage, which is obviously not good. Or home defense situations where, you know, an intruder enters your home and you're in a self-defensive situation. You don't want that bullet to then enter the next house over. Yeah. Or even just the next room. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you've got your family in the house. You want the bad guy to be the only guy that's you're engaging with. Right. right? So, yeah. So that's a, a great point. And, um, a hollow point, uh, is also, like I said, designed to transfer that energy. So consider that that full metal jacket, if it enters a gel block, for example, and it exits, right? There's still a lot of energy that that, that bullet is carrying with it mm-hmm. and is not going to be applied to that block. So it's not as effective. It's not as efficient, mm-hmm. right? We'll call it efficiency. And your hollow point is designed to enter, penetrate, and stop. And when it stops, 100% of that momentum, that energy, the kinetic, and even in some cases, potential energy during that transfer 
is being delivered to the block. Mm -hmm. So it's more effective, right? right? You hit harder than you would with a full metal jacket. Mm -hmm. That's the byproduct of it and all of that, but a a hollow point expands, right? You got a bigger channel, bigger hole, bigger permanent and temporary wound cavity. Mm -hmm. That's only better. Right. Right. And, and well, I'm, come back. It helps mm-hmm. perform damage. So that's, that's one very important part of that. The, the only downside to hollow points is that hollow points have a, um, a non continuous ogive, right? You've got that flat open right. tip. So that's why it's important to test that round. That's part of the part we do here is uh, extreme endurance and function testing through hundreds of guns mm. to make sure that when we develop a hollow point, right, that we get that profile right so that it works in everything, if possible. That's our goal. Every gun, every scenario, yeah. every everything. Well, and, you know, the the profile, like I said, is different. You can get hung up. A lot of hollow points like to get hung up on feed ramps. So we test that. Um, so, you know, hours, thousands of hours goes into to development of that because it is it is a valid consideration so mm-hmm. for feeding so yeah uh, self-defense ammo is if you're going to use that gun for self-defense you need to be using a hollow point when it comes to self-defense ammo there are certain protocols that are adhered to within the industry leland gives the lowdown on one of the more popular and widely discussed protocols A lot of times when we talk about self-defense ammo specifically, you hear this thing called FBI protocol. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to me what that is? So F- FBI protocol, there's a couple different um, kind of like subcategories of the protocol. Right? Okay. It's industry standard, right? It's a, it was developed um, and I believe following the... Uh, F or the, uh, that was the Dade County shooting or whatnot. It was the Miami Dade shooting is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And, uh, long story short, up until then, we didn't really have a standardized process of, uh, determining lethality, mm-hmm. if you will, of handgun ammunition. Um, that was a, a bad situation. You can read about it. We won't go into it here, but, um, anyway, FBI came out with a way to, I believe it was that scenario, but anyway, they came out with a way to develop a test that not only could they determine what was a more effective bullet across platform, but manufacturers also use it to compare and see like, okay, where are we at? What do we need to improve on? Right. How do we get a good idea of what this is going to do without actually, you know, using it? Right. right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which of course you don't want to have to. <laughs> so anyway, um, so that came about and what it is, it involves the calibrated ballistics gel, uh, muzzle of a handgun, it's four inch barrel is standard is shot at 10 feet into the gel. Uh, you have three, no, you have four, at least four, actually six, uh, scenarios you shoot in. So you have bear gel, right? And same thing applies for all of them. It's lethality is measured 12 to 18 inches and you, you measure expansion and weight retention of the bullet too, to see how, if it expanded, but it didn't just blow apart. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, then you have your heavy clothing, which is a four part layer of denim, a t-shirt material, dress shirt material, and a fleece layer. So you have Mm -hmm. four layers of heavy clothing set in front of the block. You shoot through that. That affects how the bullet opens up. Then you have um, a steel. So you have a car door steel. It's two layer. 
And um, there's specifics about it. But anyway, you shoot into that, it deforms the bullet differently as well. Um, it just depends on the modifiers you put on the bullet, but that that is going to definitely affect mechanically your expansion and penetration. And then uh, finally, for the main four, you have auto glass. So that's a two-part laminated glass shot at a compound angle. So it's like a 45 and a 45, I believe. And that not only causes the bullet sometimes to deflect, but it it uh, asymmetrically deforms the bullet. So when it enters, it wants to turn and do all these weird Spin. things. Bad. Yeah. Very difficult set of scenarios, but it does a pretty comprehensive test at determining, you know, what this this bullet may be put through. Now, again, that was developed for law enforcement. Uh, your typical civilian, right, if they use a, a self-defense ammo, can expect probably your heavy clothing. It's pretty much what most uh, people in the industry look at consumer-wise for judging what ammo you're they're going to use. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, there's another two, which are going to be shot through drywall and plyboard. But those are a little less common, mm -hmm. but they're still used. And we test all of it here. So, um, But those just give you like... <laughs> All right, where where's our product at? How is it performing? Uh, we do a you know microscope dive onto how the the bullet deformed and works, so we can improve our products and and try to be the best in all those scenarios. And when you change one factor to do better in one, you know, say bare clothing mm -hmm. or bare bare gel, it's gonna change how you open up in the other. So it's you have all these levers you're pulling to get them all to even out to get the best product you can. So um, that's. That's what people are talking about when they say the FBI protocol. When we think about the FBI or law enforcement, we know that they're going to need the best ammunition in the business, not only in self-defense rounds, but also in practice rounds. Law enforcement goes through a ton of practice ammo, but is it different from what we use as civilians? Can we use the same kind? Leland and I discuss. You talked about frangible ammo before, yeah. and um, I just want to touch on that a little bit because yep. it's what law enforcement uses to train most of the time. Yep. Right. Um, what is frangible ammo? So frangible ammo is ammunition designed to hit a typically a hard target, so-called steel, mm -hmm. and disintegrate, right? Actually, where our law enforcement disintegrator line that came from, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's the name, at least that's where it came from. But, uh, typically it involves a powdered, either centered or non-centered bullet, no jacket, or you can have a jacketed, uh, uh, frangible profile. Um, that just helps typically with, um, you know, mechanical, uh, integrity of the bullet up in two targets, right? You have the powdered, uh, compressed powdered metal, you know, bullets that are what you commonly see with frangible ammo. Sometimes they're a little finicky, a little bit um, more fragile, mm -hmm. right? Depending on how they're made, of course, in the material, you have all kinds of different metals that people use. Sometimes it's very expensive, you know, like, uh, you know, your copper pressed metals, sometimes it's scrap metal. So it's on a cheaper price point, right? right. So it just, it depends. But um, anyway, um, those are designed to be shot at steel and then not have spalling or um, what would you call it? Ricochet. Splashback. And if anybody shot steel, which you can shoot with target ammo, like I, I've gone out and shot thousands of rounds of uh, copper jacketed and brass jacketed lead, just full metal jackets at steel. Mm -hmm. 
and you're fine, right? So long as you have it lined up. But over time, steel wears in. You get divots, even if it's if it's really hard AR500 or or whatnot steel. And um, every once in a while, you'll get a little splashback, right? It's nothing to be scared of necessarily, but it's something to consider. And mm. um, when you're up really close, like a lot of law enforcement is, and they train, um, it's something to consider a little bit more because you're still going to have a little splashback. Well, like I said, frangible ammo completely eliminates that. It's designed to, right? It hits, turns into a cloud of dust. Not only that, but more focused on the consumer aspect, um, which, you know, of course, consumers can take those classes too and, and really learn how to shoot up close in defensive scenarios, which, of course, training is always better. Right. But uh, a lot of those those cartridges and the loads, rather, that contain these frangible projectiles are lead-free. Mm. So you've got a non lead core bullets at frame, you know, compressed powder. Mm -hmm. Um, typically they're loaded with lead free primers, right? So a lot of development goes into making lead free primers. It's, it's, um, you know, it's a big focus and it's also very, uh, it takes a lot of development. Um, so that's part of that. They're a little cleaner. So if you, you know, look, let's say I grew up in an urban scenario. I went up and shot at indoor ranges all the time growing Mm -hmm. up. So, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a added uh, utility to the consumer if they want to shoot in these indoor ranges, even though they have ventilation, it's a little bit more confined. Mm-hmm. Having that elimination of lead, you know, contaminants in the air that you're breathing is just one more attractive feature about them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, there's a lot of uses for them, but those are the main ones. Eliminate spalling and splashback and then the lead-free aspect. So people who shoot a ton and shoot a ton close up. What about like IDPA shooters? So IDPA shooters, you're you're talking about like, you know, any any action pistol shooter, mm-hmm. USPSA, PCSL, any of that good stuff, which is also a fantastic way to get into learning how to use your gun too. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend competition shooting like that. And it's just fun. All those people are, they're gun enthusiasts and you know, it's just a good time. It's but, a ton of fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's super fun. But, um, those, you know, individuals typically choose to use just target ammo, right? Mm-hmm. There's different target ammo out there, right? Some are, um, you know, you got different, uh, loads and, and powers and all that kind of stuff. But, um, it's cheaper, so you can shoot more of it, more training. It's typically the best. You're so. going to get better if you train more. Yeah. like Basically, why not use the cheapest so I can shoot more? Right. right. Exactly. So that's, that's target ammo is what they're most focused on. Mm-hmm. Some of them may use frangible, but I, I personally have not seen anybody. Mm-hmm. Not a bad option, though. There you have it, guys. Remington is on the rise. Like, comment, subscribe, and be sure to share this podcast with your hunting or shooting buddies. Be on the lookout for the next episode. You can find us anywhere you can stream podcasts. And for more Remington content, follow us on all social media platforms at Remington1816. Interested in the full unedited interviews? Head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Remington. If you have any questions or have a topic you'd like us to talk about, feel free to email us at podcast at remington.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at remington.com. Thanks for listening.